This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Send the tweet. Send them hot. At Ken Carmen. C-A-R-M-A-N. Five burning questions in less than 20 minutes. Also, I've been trying to tell you folks, it's just not worth it. That coming up at 1.40 p.m. Eastern. Now, the the story that comes out here, I I told you, I can't say that Mason Rudolph's a racist, and I can't call Miles Garrett a liar, and I think that's just how the league wants it. So, Ian Rappaport, I want to get this straight. Ian Rappaport, and Tom, I want to need you in on this. Pete McCarthy just reported this. Ian Rappaport, or just said it on our our updates, Ian Rappaport reporting that it's been up to $50,000 from the original 35 for Mason Rudolph. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, he just said that he's been fined $50,000. The initial report was 35. So I don't know okay. whether it was actually raised or whether the initial report was not the final decision. Rappaport didn't report it as an increase in the fine, but you're right. The original figure from five days ago was 35, and it's now 50. Does that not make you wonder what else was said? No. Now, $15,000... There's no just, uh, just under. way that $15,000 is the penalty for a racial slur on the field. <laughs> exactly. I mean, no but shot. what I'm saying is not just that. What I'm pointing out is that I don't understand how you can raise it $15,000 over the course of a couple of days after everything that's been done. I, I don't understand how that's the case. People are they, so they, they, upset about Rudolph's part in this, which I don't then understand. Then just suspend the guy with. for a game. Then just suspend him for a game. If he's that, If people are that upset, then just suspend him. Because fifteen thousand extra dollars. When we see fines, when we see fines for for players, we don't think anything of it. I just see a number. That's all I see. Like when they fined both the Steelers and the Browns the other day, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece. I just go, yeah, you guys get two hundred twenty three just by opening up the door. Two hundred twenty three million. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars is nothing. These numbers don't mean anything to me as a fan. So if I'm all bent out of shape over Mason Rudolph, an extra fifteen grand ain't gonna make things any better. I don't. Doesn't matter. If people are that upset, then just suspend the guy. So it, it has to lead me to believe that. See that, Tom. That to me leaves no common sense whatsoever. Not you, them. So that's just was it originally thought to be thirty five, and then they go, no, no, no. The actual number is fifty. I think they might be trying to slide in like a. If we increase it a little bit, maybe people will. Well, that's be asinine. Less mad. It's so that's silly. asinine. But I, you, I think you, the you, you would agree. You would have to agree. Incredibly uncomfortable with suspending a quarterback who was hit on his head without a helmet on by his own helmet. On Perfectly fine, but uh, but the sli- But if you were to leave it fifty thousand, of course it's uncomfortable. Uh, it, but if you were to leave it at fifty thousand dollars, if that's the answer, then I could live with that better than what you just told me. Because what you just told me that would seem very NFL. But it would just seem to be asinine. You don't need to add an extra fifteen grand. You no. already thirty-five, fifty grand. The numbers don't matter to an average fan. It just it doesn't. It's it doesn't. pennies anyway. I mean, to these exactly. Guys. We all know it. So 
He's a second round pick. He's not like he's starving. Uh, my thoughts on uh, my thoughts on this have been steadfast over the last couple of days. That if you want to call in eight five and Tom, thank you eight five five two one two four CBS. If you want to say that Miles Garrett's a damn liar, you want to say that Mason Rudolph's a damn racist. I guess I can't stop you from it. But I think that they can stop me from it. It's an exactly thing that the NFL wants to happen. It is easier for the NFL for this to go down than any of the other scenarios. Now, I didn't get a chance to get this off my chest last week. So I'll say it right now. I think that both in Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph have responsibility. This is before any of the allegations of the racial slur. I'll get to that to a moment. Mason Rudolph... Regardless of what you think of the tackle, I didn't think it was that bad of a tackle. Plenty of people disagree. Fine. We're not going to agree with each other on that. However, you would have to agree that the rational line of thinking after that would be say something to the referee, or in this case the police officer, if we were to change it over into a real-life scenario, that the referee who's standing right behind you, that's the person you appeal to. And you can't say that you can't because Matt Filer, who was standing up over both of them, did that exact thing, number 71 of the Pittsburgh Steelers who's actually worked himself to be a pretty nice offensive lineman, if I can say so. Some people might disagree, but the hell with you. Matt Filer looks at the ref going, hey, are we going to get a flag over here? Let's go. I don't care how much time there's left. You know, just start ripping a helmet off. Also, when David DeCastro seemingly neutralizes the situation that's already bad, where Miles Garrett can't just full-on rip a helmet off a head, could have been suspended a game just for that. When it seems that David DeCastro has neutralize this situation, and Matt Filer himself kind of gets in the way, Mason Rudolph just goes running over. If Mason Rudolph doesn't run over, he doesn't get hit in the head with a helmet. He doesn't get pushed down by Larry Ogunjobi. His center doesn't get suspended for now two games for punching and kicking on the floor, on the ground, and on a nationally televised football game. Now, none of that excuses what Miles Garrett did. Miles Garrett did was wrong, and Miles Garrett deserved a harsh penalty, and he got a harsh penalty. I'm not outraged. I'm not morally questioning things. I'm not disgusted by it. It's professional football, and ultimately, and this sounds cold, but it's true, they're entertainers for me. They entertain. Part of the game is violence. A heavy part of the game is violence, and I trust the NFL in that moment, if it were just that, were to prosecute the right way in six games, basically, till the end of the season. I don't think the Browns are going to make the playoffs this year. Six games indefinitely to the end of the season? Yeah, it sounds about right. I'm kind of glad. I, I kind of hope. I can't say I'm glad, but I kind of hope it doesn't carry into next year. you got a seven-month off season. Put some hoops he's got to jump through. He'll jump through those hoops. You're ready to go for 2020. Everybody moves on. That's the way I feel about the situation. I thought Mason Rudolph should be suspended for a game. I can understand where people say they don't. Tom makes a very a very valid argument. But I think when you escalate it to that moment, I think that you share a responsibility. Could have appealed, but that's the way I stand. Now on to where the appeal was made by Miles Garrett and where Miles Garrett alleges that Mason Rudolph said a racial slur. I can't guarantee that he did. And I've known Miles Garrett in a professional status for three years. I've talked to Miles Garrett on the record. I've talked to Miles Garrett off the record. I've asked him how he's doing in the day. Doesn't mean I know what Miles Garrett really thinks. But because I know Miles Garrett, doesn't mean I can look over at Mason Rudolph and all of a sudden go, well, if Miles calls you a racist, I think you're a racist. That's not fair either. I've never met Mason Rudolph, and you can bring up whatever you want to about what he's liked on Twitter or whatever his political meetings are. 
I need actual proof because to call someone a racist is worse than calling someone a liar. And if you ever get the audio of it, and I don't know if you will, I really don't think you will. The NFL has their wits about them. But if you if you ever get the audio of it, then you have to make a decision. This is where the NFL will do what they can to get in the way of this. Now, at 2 o'clock Eastern, I guarantee you, my buddy Anthony Lima is going to come in here and say the exact opposite of what I'm telling you right now. Because there are plenty of people who may have a bone to pick with the NFL, might want to be a whistleblower in their own right. I'm still convinced right now there's enough people where if something were said or something wasn't said or they don't know, they have no idea, would still do as the NFL instructs because it is still technically, if anybody was mic'd up by courtesy of the laws of the bylaws of the NFL, it's up to that personal player whether or not that they want to keep sound buried. It's up to that person, that player, whether or not in that organization, whether or not they want to keep sound buried. The NFL, NFL Films, it's officially licensed to Fox Sports, who was covering the game at the time, where they were disseminating the audio, where they were disseminating the video. It can get in the way of major network partnerships between the two. Now, during the season, and I know we're getting off to, into the weeds here, but during the season, I don't think there's a lot of people who want to upset the apple cart. I wonder what's going to happen after the year. After the year, there's changes. During the offseason, there might be layoffs. There might be replacements. Somebody somewhere might have a file, and that person might become a whistleblower. But for the NFL, I think it's more convenient, it's more easy to not let you have the audio, to, to keep you in the dark. They claim nobody was mic'd up. I simply just don't believe it. They claim not that nobody was mic'd up, but that there's no audio at all. I can't believe that. On a Thursday night, nationally televised NFL football game, the biggest sport in America, I don't believe you when you tell me you have no audio. You can tell me all you want that you don't. You can have anybody you want to tell me to my face that you don't have the audio. You can laugh as I continue to go down a conspiracy theory about you having audio that you say you don't. I'm just not going to believe you. Precedent, which the NFL doles out their, their punishment arbitrarily, but precedent, and that's what everybody's been looking for over the last two weeks, would tell me that you do have audio somewhere. You do have video somewhere of this. But that's not what the NFL wants. It's much easier, even though this is ugly, and it's got people riled up, including Tom, including a couple other folks. It got people riled up. It's nowhere near as bad as what could happen. If audio confirming Miles Garrett's allegation or disproving Miles Garrett's allegation ever gets out. If audio gets out and it clears Mason Rudolph, your former number one overall pick and a cornerstone of an NFL franchise is a liar. And it's back in regular news. If audio comes out that confirms that Mason Rudolph said something racist, you have turned a blind eye knowing full on well that one of your players said that he said a racial slur in his direction causing him to go off. Now, that doesn't absolve Miles Garrett, and I'll tell you in a second why. Well, you have a player that has said that one of your other players used a racial slur against him. You will now have looked like you have turned the other cheek. This coming a week after the Colin Kaepernick scenario during a Week 11 tryout and that dog and pony show that went on.
You have a lead that's predominantly filled with black men where you are telling them that you have looked the other way while a white quarterback used a racial slur on a major figure who is also a black man in your league. You simply can't do that. So either there really is no audio and there's nothing to corroborate the story of Miles Garrett. Or if there is, and he told you on Wednesday and he continued to do it, it's easier for you to not make Miles Garrett look like a liar, not make Mason Rudolph look like a racist, and say, hey, you hit him over the head and we're going to still get you for that. Because that's wrong. That's a huge mistake. Somebody could have been seriously hurt. Blah, 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 blah. But if something were to come out that were confirmed that Mason Rudolph said something horrible, oh. I can't imagine. So the NFL doesn't want that to happen. It's easier. Even though there's a possibly a cover-up. And because I'm talking about it, I'm alleging. Even though there's possibly a cover-up, it's easier for the NFL to go that way. Oh, there's no audio. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Billion-dollar industry. What should they pay? For the rights of Thursday night football? What's what's the number one programming in America? Okay. You, you don't have any audio of that, huh? Quarterback of the football team. Okay. Just making sure. Pittsburgh Steelers, pretty well-known organization. Cleveland Browns, pretty well-known organization. Thursday night football. Fox Sports. Joe Buck. Troy Aitman. No audio? Okay. I, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. I And I never will. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. We'll try to get to you guys. Also, five burning questions. Coming up next, it's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. All right, now, 140, I'm going to end up doing it. Five burning questions. I want to bring in Tom because Tom's got to say it with his chest. Now, it is my contention. You aren't going to hear the audio. Now, I have to admit something here, and I didn't think about it the first time around. I am in one of the cities of the participants. I've been taking calls for the last week. Basically, there was a little bit of difference on Friday, I'll admit that, but basically backing up one of the participants in this. And I've tried to be responsible. Again, I know Miles Garrett personally. I don't know Mason Rudolph. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and allege that Mason Rudolph said something racist. I don't know. And in, in our position, where we're at as broadcasters, I can't allege that Mason Rudolph did one of the worst things that you could possibly be. That's be a racist be a child molester, or be a domestic abuser. In our society, those are the three worst things you could possibly be. And the fourth worst thing is a liar. So I can't allege it. But Tom looks at it from a different spectrum. Tom's been taking calls from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine, and he sees it a little bit differently than me. And you just spoke about, Tom, you believe that a lot of people assume that Mason Rudolph did in fact say this. Right from the beginning, yeah. And there was okay, that, go ahead. There go was ahead. That, I want to hear you. There was that false tweet right in the aftermath about something that Garrett didn't actually say in the tunnel that a lot of people ran with, a, a fake Ian Rappaport account. There was the Josina Anderson deleted tweet where she said, I wouldn't be surprised if something was said. Even immediately in the moment in the broadcast, it appalled me that Troy Aikman is already trying to find ways to explain how this was Rudolph's fault and not on Garrett. I just think there's a reputational aspect of this where I think Rudolph's the least popular player in the entire league. People don't even realize how much they hate him. People don't think he belongs. They think he's a goober. They don't like to watch him. 
And they had no interest in even attempting to see his side of this. And the way that I think the entire situation with the accusation now, the racial slur accusation plays out, is if there is no audio exonerating Rudolph, the majority of NFL fans will always assume that he did say it. And that is, I I find that unbelievable. That's appalling. The idea that someone could lobby something like that, that is truly difficult to believe. I'm not going to call anyone a liar, but that's truly difficult to believe. And without the presence of any proof, just have people run with it. When I think the entire situation would have gone down differently if it was Ben Roethlisberger as the quarterback and a third round defensive end. No one would be buying this and no one would be immediately just assuming that this terrible thing was said on the field if it was a actual star quarterback. I hope you've used the bathroom. Hold on to your pants, because I actually agree. And the reason I agree, let me tell you why I agree. I think of some of this, and it's it's going to be sad, but it's true. I think some of this is going to be results-based. I think we do this all the time. We brought this up earlier this week. I, we were talking about people and, and whether or not, before the allegations of, of a racial slur being used, how people get over this. Jason Lloyd... Who is, a, who is a writer here in Cleveland, said that it's going to follow Miles' his entire career. Now, this is before the, 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 the appeal hearing and the possibility of a racial slur being thrown out there. This is before this. Okay, Timeline is important. Because now, no matter what, I think it could be part of it. Of, of a proper biography, of a proper obituary, if the guy goes on and becomes a, a Hall of Fame defensive end, it's part of where it is, but it doesn't lead it. And the example I used was Lawrence Taylor. I think by and large, my generation and younger generations, or excuse me, my generation and older generations, want to look at a guy like Lawrence Taylor and think sacks, winning games with defense, an MVP caliber player, one of the greatest of all times to play it. But I think people who are younger, they see drug problems, they see domestic problems, they see the problems that happen with the 15-year-old, they see some nastiness there. Ultimately, I do think people, because of somebody may be good at something, want to admit that that person or say that person's good. The reason I bring it up here, Tom, hear me out and I'll let you rebuttal here, is if Miles Garrett goes on and becomes a great player, continues, because I thought, again, if the Browns were 6-3, and three, he should have been talked about as Defensive Player of the Year going into this. If he goes on and becomes a great player, that starts to fade away and people actually believe Miles Garrett, if Mason Rudolph becomes the Mason Rudolph we we all assume he's going to be, which is not a good quarterback, I think it becomes that much easier to believe that Mason Rudolph said something bad. You can disagree all you want. Go ahead. I'm having trouble following exactly. If, if, he, if Garrett I, becomes I a Hall of Fame level player. The more, be- su- the more successful people are in what they do, right. The more people want to believe them in that story because they want to admire happened. them. Yeah, I think that's already happened. He's the number one overall Fair pick. Enough. I think, Fair and enough. you you're in Cleveland, so you know better about Browns fans than I do. But I think that from the first second, there was the instinct to protect our asset. It doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter what the reality of it is. Oh yeah, protect yes. our asset. I think that that's honestly the reason why. And again, I, I I hate to call the man a liar about something like this. I'm I'm really not trying to, but I think he had an opportunity to NFL investigators behind closed doors to protect himself, to attempt to ensure that he the suspension doesn't roll over into next season, and to try to in some way save face with the league. 
by lobbing out something that was set up for him by other people. That was already something that people in the public thought, something that he knew he wouldn't get blowback saying. And there was really no downside. That's why this is such a tricky situation that you could smear another man's reputation by saying something that there's well, no downside for you. There's no, there was what, no risk for him to do this. It's what makes it truly bizarre. The reason it's truly bizarre is because, again, I, I, we've taught Lima, Lima's going to be up next. Lima's way more cynical about things than I am. We've met him. We've spoken to him on and off record. I would never believe that Miles Garrett would be a liar. I'm not calling Miles Garrett a liar, and I never will call Miles Garrett a liar unless I know for proof that he lied about this situation. But that doesn't mean that I know him very, very well. Doesn't mean I know him like I know my wife or like Anthony himself, who's one of my best friends. Doesn't mean that whatsoever. So I don't know what he's capable of. I have no idea. We don't. We we want to believe these things, and that's where I think the, the the success of what a person does in their career takes over. We want to admire successful people. We want to love successful people. We want to emulate successful people, and that means we want to believe them. If Miles Garrett goes on and plays well, and Mason Root, because I don't think we're ever going to have proof, and Mason Rudolph continues to be Mason Rudolph. See, even what you're doing I think right, you're right there. Even what you're doing th- right there. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it keeps going because we already have decided. One isn't a one number one overall pick, and the other is a failed quarterback in the making, which is absurd, okay? <laughs> this guy has made seven st- – and I know I'm a fan of Mason as a player, and I know, no one that else was, is. And that's why so I, strong of you to say. I, I feel so <laughs> freaking alienated in this whole discussion. But listen – Mason Rudolph has made seven career starts. He's playing for an offense that is a dumpster fire. He is four and three. He is completing 62% of passes. He's 12 versus eight touchdowns and interceptions in his first seven starts of his career. And everyone's base assumption is that he's terrible and he's going to be terrible. No one is even giving this guy a chance. Meanwhile, everyone's already assumed that Garrett is on the Hall of Fame track. So I agree with what you're saying. I just think it applies right this second. I think it's done. I think it's the, the dynamics of the situation as it's played out. Hmm. Well, we might find out in five to ten years that you're right. I don't know if we're ever going to hear the audio. I still wonder what's going to happen at the end of the offseason. Now, the last time I said something like this, Antonio Brown got signed basically by the time we signed off air. But I, I think right. that something probably will happen. If we find out, we're probably going to find out after the Super Bowl. Because that's when networks start to – if they're making changes, maybe they go a little early, you. maybe you find out. I don't think we're ever going to hear it. I don't think we're ever going to hear it. I, I think, think the, we will leave. I think the exonerating audio will still be brutal. Whatever was actually happening is not something that they want to release to the and, public. And who Whether knows or not there's exactly, a slur in there. And I don't think, and this is another thing that you have to bring into bring into the, into account here, and this is where the NFL doesn't want to get in the middle of a hornet's nest, and we have to be careful what we say. Because there are certain words, one in particular, that is the end-all, be-all. You do not say that word. But there are also other words, and depending on how he said them, it could be taken, and I don't think the NFL wants to have a debate on the severity of a racial slur. I don't think they want that at all. So if he said something that is not the word that we all think it is, I don't think they want that. And I also don't think that the NFL, if he did say it, not just where they quote-unquote might have covered up, and the quote-unquote is me, maybe covered up a guy who said something racist, is they also don't want a sliding scale of, all right, he said something racist. You suspend the guy for six games because there will be plenty of people like Sheldon Richardson himself who said he didn't hear the words, but Sheldon Richardson said yesterday that if, or should say Thursday, that if Mason Rudolph did in fact say that, then he should be suspended and he had what was coming to him. 
because there will be plenty of people, and I brought up this analogy before, if I'm on the street and I say something awful in Tom's direction uh, of an ethnic or racial slur, a homophobic slur, whatever it might be, Tom has that liberty to do whatever he wants to until the cops show up, until there's an actual way to punish Tom. That's the form of you got what's coming to you. He, If I say that, I better have full confidence that I can get out of that situation or don't say it. And really, you shouldn't say it because it's we're, we're trying to have a society here. But I should have full confidence that I can get out of that situation. If I say something in someone's direction, I got what's coming to me. That's until the police show up. So for Miles, even though, yeah, if, if Mason Rudolph said it, it's awful. It's awful. Doesn't mean I can take the helmet off him and hit him over the head. I might understand why he was frustrated that much because I've never seen that type of behavior type of behavior out of Miles in my life. That doesn't mean he just gets away with it without getting a suspension. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Up next, we finally get to it. Five burning questions. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Well, I knew we were going to wait, and we finally got to it. It's five burning questions. I hate ending a show with a segment, but still we're going to do it because I've been waiting on it all day. Tom, let me have it, baby. All right, let's get right to the good stuff. So former NFL wide receiver James Thrash is now uh, the appeals officer for on-field player discipline. So he dealt with the Garrett appeal process <laughs> along with Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks and James Thrash are jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA. So they kind of exist between them. Um, and then James Thrash has had this Twitter account for three or so years. He's got like a, a few thousand followers, not a huge following at all. And he jumped on Twitter after the uh, Garrett appeal was um, – his initial suspension was upheld saying, quote, please stop tweeting me about the decision. This was a grueling process and the outcome is final. Player safety is what's most important, end quote. This mm. tweet got absolutely brutally criticized, ratioed into oblivion. And he came back and called the account a parody and said that it wasn't James Thrash at all. Basically, thanks for stopping by, but none of this was real. And then deleted the account. So, Ken, do you buy that that wasn't James Thrash? No, I don't. I believe that it was James Thrash. I don't think that anybody... You can't tell me... That's, this reminds me of the mom and pop from Seinfeld. Like, their whole idea was to go into business... And stay in business for 48 years and then pick up and leave town with everybody else's shoes. Ike Reese tweeted at this account at James Thrash three years ago. I don't think that James, I don't think anybody's making a fake James Thrash account to keep it going for three years to dupe everybody about a decision about a suspension. I'm laughing about it, but it's actually quite sad because if you're the NFL, this is an NFL employee, right? Not an NFL PA? Well, I was just trying explaining that it's in between, so it's jointly okay. appointed by the league and the PA, but they're not actually attached to either one. All right, but obviously he's going to get paid for his services. Uh, I, I would still say that this is his last one that he should do. I find it very disconcerting, all jokes aside. I found it a bit troubling that... A guy who's supposed to be put in this decision to make tough decisions is making decisions like this after he's made a very difficult decision. I think it's really unbecoming of him. I think it's very silly. I don't believe that that's some sort of parody account. I believe that is him, and I don't think I like the way that's handled. So if I were the NFL, maybe I'd move on with another player. What's, what, what, is, 
What's Keenan McCardell doing? What's Freddie Mitchell doing? Can Freddie Mitchell be one guy? Can he be a guy who's an arbiter? Because this is quite silly. Next. I got to say, though, if it really was a parody account, that is one hell of a long con. I mean, that is a lot of work to set up Go, this moment. Someone find Jay Novacek. Let's see if he can be one. What? That is a long con. What's the payoff, though? What is the payoff? <laughs> How could you possibly expect that anything like this would ever happen? It makes can no you imagine sense. some guy sitting there wringing his hands like an evil villain in a cartoon? Well, I'm going to create a James Thrash account. I just found out that he actually does some arbitration hearings. And then one of these days, I'm going to get one of these. Te- He's just been biding his time in the shadows, waiting for a franchise's fan base to come after him. <laughs> and he finally found one in Cleveland. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So momentum is growing within ownership circles in the NFL to continue this negotiation with the NFLPA for a 17 game season. That would call for a 19-week regular season with a double bye. Very interesting. This is reported by Jason Lockenfora this week on CBS Sports. Um, Obviously, part of this would be to kind of arrange, help the Thursday night football situation so that you could work the buys with the Thursday night games a little more reasonably. Ooh, that'd be nice. Another very interesting caveat of this is this this 17th game, so the extra game, there'd still be eight home games and eight away games, then everyone would have a neutral site game every year. I actually really like that part of the idea. So this is actually a two-part question, Ken. Are you on board with this idea? And yep. And then there's also been a lot of talk. So then I guess we can get it out of the way and go straight to the second question. There's been yeah. a lot of talk also about this NBA restructuring. This is back in the news today. Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN reporting that a new setup for an NBA season that's only 78 games with a midseason tournament and all kinds of other little tweaks uh, may also be discussed. Who needs a season schedule tweak more right now, the NFL or the NBA? Ooh. All right, I'll tell you why first off. Real quick, I think you'll just always watch more football. I don't think it should be sticking its ass into March, but I, I always think you'll watch more football. You've always proven. People complain and bitch and moan about 17 games or about Thursday night football and you still watch. And then you might complain about 17 games you're still going to watch. Remember, it used to end, what, in January the season used to end? Like early January. Right. And when this- was the... When was the NFL? When was the Ice Bowl? And now it's in February, and, that's and nobody a big minds part of this too. The, the yeah. Super Bowl will be pushed all the way to the end of February, and that's very intentional. The NFL has noticed that every other, basically, major league has multiple more months of their season mm-hmm. than the NFL. So let's spread it out a little bit more. Be, because the NFL and what makes the NFL special is because it always makes you want more. Now I think that they should be careful and not oversaturate. But they always make you want more. And because you have a seven-month offseason, you have a little bit of wiggle room. Think about what changes in a person's life in seven months. And really, when you actually start playing games, and that's just counting when you go to training camp, when you start playing games, it's eight months. You have an eight-month offseason in football as a fan. So you don't even get to enjoy that. So now you will have a six-month slash seven-month offseason. It's still a ton of time to wait between football. And it's still going to make you die to watch more football. And you will watch more football, and I don't I don't see a downside to it. I, I really don't. Though You'll pay them to play, so it's not like they're not getting paid anymore. And with the one situation with the double uh, bye weeks, they're doing it in college now. A lot of teams have double bye weeks. Things have been working out well. I think you'll watch more football. I think it'll be perfectly fine. I, I don't see a downside to it. And with a neutral site, 
that gives you a chance to play more international games without having a team that has to be put internationally. You could have games in Germany. You could have games in France. You could have ga- you could have games in Russia. You could have games certainly in England. You could have plenty of games in in other places. Yeah, and there's been rumors of setting up like a season ticket type of package for mm-hmm. London, so you can mm-hmm. have eight games, like a full season ticket package in London, and yep. see different teams, which yep. is amazing. I mean, would geez, be perfect. It amazing. would be perfect. I'm yeah. telling you, it's a it's a great idea. Uh, as far as the NBA recruiting or the NBA restructuring, I I don't think it should be 30 teams. I think they should make it 22. I think the top eight teams should be taken out. I think that this is a great way to for the reward tournament, you're saying. for the midseason tournament. Yes, I believe this is a great way to reward teams that don't tank. If you want to eliminate tanking, and there's always going to be loopholes, I understand. But right off the top, I think that this is a very great way where you look at a team like Indiana, who's usually a five or a six seed. They've never tanked. They've always tried to do it the right way. They've done good business and played good basketball. This is a way to reward them. Because if you take out the top four teams, now you'll still have teams trying to tank to get into the top four or out of the top four to get the number one pick. But the winner of the tournament gets the number one pick no matter what. So a team like Indiana, they get the number one pick if they were to win the midseason tournament based on the other 22 teams that were there. The other teams, I don't know what they do. I, maybe they play for home field, home, home field, home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Maybe that's what you give them and have an 18 tournament with the top eight teams. But I think everybody else is playing for that number one team, number one pick, and that way a team like Indiana or another franchise, like Denver usually doesn't try to tank. Denver's having a really good season and has had a couple of really nice seasons. A team like Portland, who doesn't try to tank with the exception of one year, that's a way to give them an incentive and to reward teams that try to do it the right way. And I think it makes for a more healthier league. So if you do this the right way, I actually think it could work. So that's my thoughts on it. Next. All right, I'm going to skip one because we are not going to finish. So, the, Oh, I bet I can. The Go. sale of the Kansas City Royals to mm. former Indians minority owner John Sherman was approved this week for $1 billion. Glass, uh, David Glass was the former owner of the Royals who bought the team for $96 million in 2000, which is just an absolutely incredible price increase for that franchise. Earlier uh-huh. this year, Forbes uh, placed value on every single MLB franchise and valued all of them at over $1 billion with the Marlins. Marlins being the least valuable. The Marlins just sold for $1.2 billion a little over two years ago. So I guess this is decent value, a billion dollars for the Royals. But, Ken, do you consider a billion-dollar purchase of a small market MLB team still a wise investment in 2019? Yes, because you're still going to get revenue sharing because Major League Baseball, that's all they like to do is brag about how much money they make. Uh, I think it is a good investment because you haven't shown me anything where it's not a good investment. Television revenue is still there. Uh, you're always going to have that coming in. And again, your revenue sharing is always going to make sure that you make money. Now, I think that baseball is going to have to change over time. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I love minor league baseball. It could end up being healthier for the sport with the possible contraction of minor league teams. That's a tough, tough thing to admit. My heart is with you if you're in one of the markets that have minor league teams that could very well be affected by this. But I think that it's easier to get people involved in teams and it can make it can make for a healthier college baseball system where just a couple of years ago Dansby Swanson was playing in the College World Series then he ended up with the Atlanta Braves basically the very next year 
In other sports, we see our college heroes right on an NFL or NBA playing platform. In Major League Baseball, we have to wait forever. I think it is a little bit overly saturated. I think that you could create stars younger by playing them earlier and by creating more fans. I think baseball is very healthy. I think baseball, there's plenty of kids who want to play it. I think there's plenty of kids who want to be involved in baseball. I think there's plenty of kids who want to like watching baseball and want to like baseball itself. You've got to give them good young stars to really sink their teeth into. Because right now, I think that they are having a bit of a star problem. You can't just say every Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I, I need to see more of those guys. And again, I, expand the playoffs. More opportunities for guys to get into the postseason. More guys whose stories you can tell. More drama. More chance for big moments. Overly, overall, more money. More fans. You have a final one? Can I answer it in 10 yeah, seconds? fast one. It, it, it's Fred Cox, legendary kicker for the Minnesota Vikings, passed away this uh, week at the age of 80. He was a 15-season incredible kicker with Minnesota, their all-time leading scorer. He played in four Super Bowls. However, he was most significantly, the, most significantly the inventor of the Nerf football. So, Ken, is the Nerf football the greatest goat of all time Man, sports toy? Is that the best be. one? It might be. Because you can play real football with it, and like you weren't going to get hurt. Like if your buddy took it and threw it at you, and you weren't paying attention, you weren't going to get hurt. And then you could actually go out and play football if you needed it. And then the vortex came out, and you could throw it a mile. Oh my god! Like the pros, you could. You I remember know, John Elway in the commercial throwing yeah. it over the stadium. Yep. I had the vortex. Who that did? thing was awesome. What football oh fan didn't as god. a kid? That thing was awesome. Yeah. As far as sports toys go, like there's jarts, and then there's the uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, the Nerf football, Nerf football's got to be right up there at number one. The only one in the ballpark I could think of would be like a wiffle bat and ball set. Yeah, but you know what? That can still once the kids learn how to throw it, then it's it sucks. People don't want to admit that it's so frustrating. That sucks when they start putting the English on it, and there's guys who get so good at it that it makes it impossible to hit. That part sucks unless you have the real big red bat. Then that makes it fun. But, yep, Nerf football, that's the best one. Fred, we wish you well in the afterlife, my friend. We also wish each and every one of you well in this current life. Also, Tom D., Kevin Wall, Peter Schwartz, Billy Jack, Pete McCarthy. Up next, Anthony Lima. I wish him well. I'm Ken Carmen. You folks have a wonderful weekend. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.